Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now on our 26th episode of 2023. That means we're officially halfway through the year. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast, and our gold sponsor, Graybar. Wow, what a week. This has got to be the best time ever to be in the fiber industry. On Monday, the Fiber Broadband Association was invited to the White House. I got my little invitation right here. Uh, invited to the White House for President Biden's announcement on NTI's allocation of the $42.45 billion in VEAT funding to each state and territory. Uh, Marisa, our Vice President of Public Policy, did a great job in arranging to have big spools of fiber optic cable from our members prominently displayed on the White House stage next to the president and the vice president and then Secretary uh, Raimondo as they delivered their addresses. Um, it was great. Um, as predicted, Texas was the big winner with the allocation of $3.3 billion. Uh, you know, the Fiber Broadband Association held a regional Fiber uh, Connect workshop in Austin last month. And Marisa and the you know, FBA public policy team held a Donuts with FBA with the Texas state legislature while we're there. And on June 2nd, Governor Greg Abbott signed Senate Bill uh, 1238 into law, which expanded the areas eligible to receive broadband grants and prioritized, prioritized fiber deployment. This was a huge victory for the citizens of Texas, as in June the previous year, Texas Comptroller Glenn Hagar was protesting NTI rules calling for technology agnostic approach. And during a where's the funding session I had with NTIA's B director, Evan Feynman, I asked him what would happen if Texas tried to push forward projects that weren't fiber. And he clearly indicated that the state would risk um, NTI not approving those projects. So in short, we are so thrilled for Governor Abbott's leadership and the 63 bipartisan sponsors of Senate Bill 1238 to ensure that the citizens of Texas receive the fiber networks they deserve. You know, the other big winners include California, Missouri, Michigan, and North Carolina. In 19 states, we're gonna re receive a billion dollars or more. In the top 10 states, we're gonna get about 40% of the BEAD funding. And the biggest winner on a per capita basis is Alaska, receiving $1,388 per capita. But on the other end of the spectrum, Massachusetts, is only going to receive about $21 per capita. So hopefully Massachusetts is very connected. So the quick summary is on July 1, all states and territories are in go mode, and President Biden is committed to having all Americans connected with reliable, quality, high-speed broadband by 2030. You know, this is just an incredibly exciting time to be in the fiber industry. And last week, we held our fourth Regional Fiber Connect workshop in Lake Tahoe which was absolutely amazing. The speakers and panelists in our sessions were fantastic. 
And our next regional Fiber Connect workshop will be in Minneapolis on October 24th. So registrations are going to open soon, so please join us in Minneapolis. But next up is our Fiber Connect 23 annual conference in Orlando from August 20 to 23rd. This is going to be the biggest and best broadband event in the world this year with over 4,000 attendees and an amazing program. Registration has gone crazy. We're seven and a half weeks out and we're already filling up like crazy. So this, is, this, is, this event has sold out the past two years. So if you haven't registered and got your hotel, please do that immediately because you're not going to want to miss that. That brings us to today's Fire for Breakfast session with Seamus Dowdall of NACO, who's going to discuss how counties are mobilizing our, for high-speed internet connectivity. Last week on Fire for Breakfast, we heard from our good friend and strategic partner, Mike Renda of RVA, who discussed understanding the future of fiber to the home forecast. Mike's research is always a crowd favorite, and he highlighted that the industry will pass an additional 76 million homes with fiber within the next five years. And he outlined why each ISP market segment is deploying fiber. So it was a great session. Today on Fire for Breakfast, we have the pleasure of hearing from Seamus Daldal on NACO on how counties are mobilizing for high-speed internet connectivity. Seamus is the Associate Legislative Director for Telecommunications and Technology on NACO's Government Affairs team. NACO is the National Association of Counties. In this role, Seamus serves as the liaison to NACO's Telecommunication and Technology Policy Steering Committee and advocates directly to federal partners in the administration on, and on, the, on Capitol Hill to advance um, policy priorities on issues including broadband deployment and accessibility, wireless technology siting, and emergency communications policy. Seamus also works with county officials across the country to set organizational priorities and policies for telecommunications and technology issues through hosting regular webinar programming and providing technical assistance and resources. Seamus holds uh, bachelor's degrees in political science and economics from Bucknell. Go Bucknell, uh, favorite Pennsylvania school. Second favorite, I guess my son-in-law is a Penn State guy, so second favorite. Uh, and he has a master's in public policy from American University. Seamus is originally from Silver Springs, Maryland, and resides in Baltimore. So welcome, Seamus. And for audience, please type in your questions as you go, and we'll work on them into the Q&A at the end. With that, let's get things rolling. Over to you, Seamus. But thanks so much, Gary, and to the entire FBA team for having me on today. I'm also glad that I'm in the company of a fellow Bucknell fan, so Ray Bucknell. Uh, but I'm here today to talk about uh, the National Association of Counties and particularly how counties are really mobilizing around high-speed internet. Um, and I think Gary really hit the nail on the head with what a historic week we had on Monday with the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program announcing their state allocations. This is such an important next step in the BEAD program's progress, and, and counties are really mobilizing to play a central role in helping to coordinate a lot of that funding that's going to be coming from the state, ultimately the subgrantee opportunities to allow us to connect uh, what the administration says, as will be every single unserved and underserved uh, resident across the country. Uh, so if you'll go to the next slide, I want to share a little bit about NACO first, so who we are. Uh, so essentially, the National Association of Counties' uh, mission is really to strengthen all 3,069 of America's counties. 
Um, we unite county officials on, on really five principles and, and goals throughout our organization. Uh, so the first is to help advocate for county priorities in federal policymaking. So helping to uh, position counties as critical intergovernmental partners in, in policymaking. Uh, secondly, we hope to promote exemplary county policies and practices. So helping to circulate and share those stories that are occurring across the country where counties are playing a really pivotal role uh, in broadband deployment, which I know we'll talk about uh, later today. Uh, we also seek to nurture leadership skills and expand our knowledge networks. Uh, so about twice a year, we, we gather and bring almost uh, 2,000 county commissioners and elected officials from across the country uh, to come and to learn from each other and to take advantage of educational opportunities to help improve their skills and bring that back to the county. Fourth, we hope to optimize county and taxpayer resources and cost savings through various programs that we offer at NACO that are intended to assist counties and governance. And then lastly, we hope to enrich the public's understanding of county government. Uh, when you think of your local government, you may assume you're in a city or maybe you're in a township or a county. We like to tell the county story specifically um, we are one of many local governments, of course, but, but counties are so unique for a variety of reasons, and I'm excited to share a little bit more of that with you all today. So we provide counties with advocates and peer support to help support and elevate their work, and we do that through technical assistance. We also do uh, provide county research and data analytics to help drive a lot of their work. And if, if you take the country in one scope and, and shot, uh, we serve nearly 40,000 county elected officials across the country, as well as a workforce of about 3.6 million county employees. I would love to talk about uh, really what that county role in infrastructure is at, at a pretty high level, and then we'll kind of hone in on broadband. Um, but counties are, are pretty substantial owners and operators of infrastructure across the country. Uh, we invest on an annual basis uh, over $200 billion to help the nation's infrastructure systems remain up to date and operating. Uh, this includes owning and operating 45% um, of America's roads or over 1.8 million miles, uh, with the majority of those roads being county roads, kind of uh, start to finish routes that are entirely managed by the county. We support over 40% of public transit agencies. So if you're taking your local bus, Throughout the county, uh, chances are it is managed or at least supported by the county. Uh, we operate almost a third of all airports across the country. Uh, we support over 900 hospitals and over 90% of jails. Uh, and we own and operate 38% uh, of bridges, uh, almost half of which are off system or local bridges uh, that, that are completely funded by your county government. So when it comes to infrastructure, counties are, are certainly no stranger. Uh, and to the contrary, we are investing actively uh, on an annual basis to help uh, keep our nation's infrastructure up and running. And so as we kind of turn to our topic today, which is broadband technology and, and connectivity, counties have really risen to the challenge to be partners, funders, uh, and many other roles as it relates to um, connecting all Americans to high speed, uh, internet access. I'd love to share really how we defined the broadband role for counties. Uh, about two years ago, we put together NACO's Broadband Task Force. This 
included over 40 county leaders who convened um, from across the country, different political parties, different regional and geographic backgrounds, uh, with one commonality, which was understanding the salience and importance of high-speed broadband connection uh, for every single county resident. And this task force really broke down their work into four categories. The first, uh, and this is particularly thinking about unserved and underserved areas, how do you prepare for broadband? What can the county do as investments are on the horizon to help make sure they are attractable and, and, and a suitable location for broadband investment and that they're preparing and, and making preparations for that investment? Secondly, what are the barriers to build out? Where can counties help streamline and create efficiencies so that as providers come in to deploy high-speed internet technology in their community, that they're not encountering barriers along the way? Third, digital divides and digital disparities. This was a really close look at digital equity and inclusion initiatives that counties can really play a key role in helping to drive some of those activities. And it, and it involved assessing not only county data, but other national data to assess where can uh, targeted investments and activities help bridge that digital divide, which has caused digital disparities. And what does that county role look like for helping to close that gap? And then lastly, thinking to the future and how do the investments that we make in broadband today uh, stay future-proofed? And I know that's a term that's kind of thrown around a lot, but future-proofed and, and, and technology that's going to last for, for the decades to come uh, and really allow counties across the country and residents within those counties to participate in what is increasingly that local economy or where uh, any resident, no matter where you live, can access modern e-commerce and remote work and all these other services through the benefit of high-speed internet. So as our task force convened and had a year's worth of conversations and, and formulating our task force report, we had many findings that, that, we, that we detail in the task force. Uh, and the first is that counties really hold many roles in the deployment of broadband. Um, we may think of our county governments traditionally as policymakers and stewards of rules and regulations, uh, but we're, we're really much more than that. So first and foremost, we are funders of broadband networks. Uh, perhaps some folks joining us today have some experience in, in working with their county and particularly with some of the critical federal investments we've seen through the American Rescue Plan Act. Um, counties have, in many cases, either through federal dollars or county dollars, have been direct funders and contributors to broadband deployment projects that have helped projects become feasible, whereas they may not have been feasible prior to that. So we're, we're core funders in many circumstances. We're data aggregators as well. Uh, so counties, whether it be the recorder's office or the administrator's office, whatever it may be, uh, we have a pretty strong understanding not only of where our unserved residents are located, um, but also additional criteria that may be beneficial. So, you know, for example, in, in 10 out of the 50 states in the country, human services are actually directly administered by county governments. Um, so usually you'll see uh, human services come from the state level, but in 10 states, it's at the county level. And for those states in particular, they have a very strong understanding of who is a SNAP recipient, 
who is receiving uh, free and reduced uh, meals at school, what are other eligible criteria to which there could be targeted investment in programming for as when we look to broadband investment can target digital literacy and training um, and making sure affordability programs are targeted in their direction. Uh, counties are oftentimes sitting on, on a lot of data that, that can be very useful uh, for providers. And on the infrastructure side, um, a, a substantial amount of asset mapping as well. So we're funders, data aggregators, and then conveners and partners in pursuit of sustainable solutions to broadband access, affordability, and reliability. So conveners, we're bringing the community together. Uh, we're a trusted local voice and oftentimes are able to help uh, kind of convene the community, whether it be for a presentation or for other discussions, um, and then partners, of course, with other providers. In terms of data collection, we, we found this out pretty early and, and it has some relevance um, for the FCC's broadband data collection process, which took place over the last year. Uh, but understanding that federally supported but locally collected data may be essential to help truly identify where broadband investments should be targeted for many federal programs that are seeking to address the unserved and underserved areas, and that counties can play a substantial role in collecting that data. A few more findings here. We found that open middle mile systems can in fact increase competition and that that open system would allow other interconnectors to help boost competition and ultimately uh, options for residents at the last mile. Uh, we found that the incentive for future-proofing broadband, once again, is essential, uh, taking a, a full look at how our infrastructure decisions today will last into the future. And then I mentioned uh, previously that counties have many roles in infrastructure. We're, we're uniquely positioned to help coordinate Dig One's policies. So whether we're working with the Department of Transportation or Department of Energy uh, within the county or at the state level, we can help make sure that the investment and infrastructure decisions we make today go as far as possible for the dollars allocated. And this is actually a theme that we hear from the NTIA even quite a bit and that we want the BEAT program to go as far as possible for investments. Why not help strategize on, on ways to do that with your county government, whether it be Dig Once or some other um, policies that I'll go through. I wanted to briefly touch on just some policy uh, initiatives that NACO has helped lead that have involved counties. And, and the first is the broadband data collection so I'll process, and I'll spend about a minute on this. But essentially, as you all know, the FCC was tasked over the last year with compiling what has become the most accurate location by location basis uh, map for uh, broadband availability data. Counties played a critical role in helping to, to construct that map uh, from the earliest phases when the location fabric was being compiled uh, to when availability data was being reported. Uh, and, and throughout the last year, we were really able to engage a cohort of county elected officials and county staff in helping to make sure that that fabric was accurately including every location uh, within their county. And then ultimately making sure that the availability data was correctly reported so that any locations that did not currently have high-speed internet access could receive uh, federal funding. <clears throat> and so you'll see a few resources on your screen here. Uh, we not only sent out technical programming support, but we built a map in that bottom graphic there through our County Explorer to help provide additional characteristics not reflected in the FCC's broadband data collection process to help counties plan and ultimately work with their state broadband office. Um, we did a few call to actions for the broadband data collection process, 
And then on the right-hand side, you see this testant uh, graphic, and that is NACO's uh, speed testing application. Uh, this is used as really a discovery tool for county commissioners who knew they had unserved residents in their community and to help prove and validate that they were unserved. They were able to take our tested app out into unserved locations, conduct tests over the cellular and Wi-Fi networks, and upon identifying they had insufficient broadband speeds to report that back to the state broadband office or to the FCC directly. So if, if you go to the next slide, um, in addition to the broadband data collection, so I mentioned the tested app, here's actually our flyer here. We were fortunate to have uh, five other partners join us in rolling this out. In addition to the, um, and actually you might wanna click one more time, but uh, in addition to the advocacy around the broadband data collection process, I mentioned uh, we, we've offered a lot of technical assistance for helping counties to prepare their internal processes for this historic investment in broadband. Um, so the top three icons kind of going horizontally uh, are just a few kind of high level roles that counties may or may not hold. It depends on your particular jurisdiction, but um, it, it, it's entirely possible that for example, counties may be primary or supporting stewards of public utility poles. And, and that becomes a critical component when you're doing an aerial deployment or helping to deploy alongside and co-locate with poles. Counties oftentimes oversee permitting processes for environmental and historical reviews uh, within their jurisdiction. And counties oftentimes manage the rights of way for public property held in trust for the community. These are three components um, that the county role plays on the policymaking side. I'm sure many providers on this call have encountered some of these proposals before uh, or processes before. So we've helped to roll out some, some innovative strategies that we've seen be successful across the country to help counties uh, really respond to, to infrastructure deployment applications and processes. So we mentioned dig ones policies. So applying this to all construction projects and, and using this as a valuable tool for broadband. Um, asset mapping is another component. So counties oftentimes have quite a latitude of data for where infrastructure is located within the county. So helping to share that data with providers and allow for there be for there to be a more strategic kind of application process for where the new infrastructure is going to be laid in leveraging the county, whether it be their GIS office or depending on the size of the county, perhaps the county administrator or one of the other offices. And then uh, one touch make ready policies, just another example for how uh, aerial deployments can be expedited if all make ready tasks are, are, are completed prior to when that project is rolled out, so it only needs to be addressed once. Um, these are a few examples, but um, what you don't see on this slide is we actually had a, a fantastic broadband boot camp that we recruited county commissioners to attend uh, from across the country this past November. Uh, we plan on doing future components of that, but essentially helping counties to prepare their internal processes, but also leverage them as partners for broadband projects that are on the horizon. Just in conclusion, before we go to Q&A, of course, um, a few takeaways for how you can work with a county in your community. So really the first and main takeaway, I hope, uh, is to really find your local champion. Uh, this is an essential component to seeing a broadband project be successful from start to finish. And whether that be a county commissioner, uh, a county director or, or administrative um, CIO, whatever it may be, 
finding that champion is really going to help you work through that local government process from start to finish, and, and they'll really be a champion for your project. Uh, understanding the local governance structure is another important component. Um, there's a lot of regional collaboration taking place right now, particularly with the formation of state broadband offices across the country in anticipation of the BEAD program. So really getting tuned into that uh, is another recommendation for how you'll ultimately be able to work with the county. Um, proactively partner with the county for infrastructure planning, the permitting process, and then post-deployment activities, whether it be adoption, uh, inclusion, or otherwise. Uh, and then create a system for exchanging data where appropriate. So if the ISP or the provider has data that they feel would be valuable to share with the county and vice versa, if the county has data to share with the provider, having that open partnership will really help to move a project forward. And then engage in a partnership that's going to meet the needs of residents, right? So remembering that the first thing that a county is always going to think about is their county residents and how it's meeting their needs. So whether that be organizing public events to help boost awareness of the project or getting more residents aware of the benefits, uh, really leaning into that educational component can be extremely valuable. So in conclusion, NACO is a, a resource for counties. We're here to help where we can. And we know that, that county commissioners across the country uh, are really viewing this broadband investment as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And so we're ready to be partners where we can be. And with that, I'm happy to pass it back over to you, Gary. Okay, um, great stuff. So just kind of, you know, one of the big issues that we have and um, providers have, you know, we're going to have to get all this broadband out and no one's going to benefit more than the counties, right, as far as digital equity, and economic development and access to jobs and you know, remote healthcare and remote learning, all that great stuff. So, you know, um, the House Energy and Commerce has been trying to, they have teed up a lot of legislation on permitting reform. Uh, you know, that's the long pole in the tent. So we had, um, you know, the mayors kind of got together and said, hey, they're kind of pushing back saying, we don't want the federal government to uh, overstep their authority on um, pushing down what permitting laws and so forth versus you know, doing it at the local level. Uh, where do the counties stay on that and how can counties be able to accelerate permitting and even locating and, and so forth? Yeah, well, thanks for the question, Gary. And I think, um, you know, that bill in particular, uh, you know, counties, local governments in general, we're, we're very cautious for a one-size-fits-all approach for permitting reform. I think that certainly counties would, would, would much prefer to see the creative and strategic solutions that are already formulating uh, within different states and between counties and interacting with the state broadband office to take shape rather than to have kind of a one-size-fits-all approach to permitting reform. So I will, I will say for that particular bill, we do have quite a few concerns about standardization of, of fees and, and timeline kind of implementation that would be unilaterally uh, implemented. Uh, but I think what you'll find is, is counties are, are really seeking to be innovators in this space as it relates to making sure that with a, with a pre-project meeting, you're able to get all timelines agreed upon because you'll be pretty hard pressed to, uh, at least in our opinion, to, to find a rural county, for example, who would like to slow down a project. I think to the contrary, they'll wanna get through it as quickly as possible. Um, and I will mention a, a component of that conversation in the 
House Energy and Commerce uh, Committee is around federal permitting. Um, we do view that process as pretty onerous in timelines, and I know that uh, counties would like to see some, some accelerated timelines around NEPA and historic preservation at the federal level. Um, but while cautious of, of, of legislation that would unilaterally conform every local government to the exact same fee structure and timeline, we'd much rather see what's already taking place, which is the collaboration between state broadband offices in different counties in anticipation of funding. Seamus, I um, also have a question from Mississippi. Um, and so they're saying that most counties just don't know where to start. Do you have a written guide or something that they can share with their counties? Yeah, absolutely. So with our boot camp um, last November, we put out a series of educational 101 materials that go down to what is broadband? What are the technologies in the market and which ones offer which benefits? How do you strategize around a broadband project for deployment? And, and where do you work with the provider at each stage in the process? So we're happy to share that uh, with the FBA audience and we can do that in follow-up, but uh, the takeaways is, is education. So uh, that's what we've identified as a key component in, in getting folks aware of and, and in front of resources. So I'm happy to circulate that. And also come to our free conference workshop on August 20th in Orlando at FiberConnect, and uh, you'll be able to see Seamus in person, and uh, hopefully we can work through a lot of those issues. We're also going to have a um, state broadband summit on Wednesday the 23rd, and we'll have an opportunity to meet your state broadband office. So there's going to be a lot of great stuff there. Um, I hate that we're out of time because we got a lot of great questions here, Seamus. So hopefully you can follow um, online for those. Thank you so much. Really appreciate what you and your team at NACO are doing to ensure that every county enjoys the economic, societal benefits that only fiber can deliver. And we're so excited that NACO is going to be co-hosting one of our pre-conference workshops at FiberConnect. Um, so thanks, everybody, for getting together today and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday prior for breakfast. We'll be have Nick Maynard, the co-founder and CEO of US Ignite. So you're not going to want to miss that. Thanks, everyone. Um, great week for Fiverr, and uh, you know, it's just going to get even better from here. See everybody next Wednesday.